0: Well our, our scriptures today have really prompted a lot of reflections in my my mind and my heart I think as well too of our opening prayer today where in the collect we say um, lord help us to discern what is right and then give us the ability to do that so there's a whole question of discernment what is it to discern to discern to is to distinguish between what's true and what's false what's good and what's evil Okay, and then to choose what's true and to choose what's good. So discernment is a a perennial question and a problem for everybody, especially for Christians who are engaged in a spiritual warfare every day of their life. And we have the devil who wants to mislead us, lead us astray. And we want, and we have the Lord, uh, and the saints and our guardian angel who want us to go down the right path and to achieve our eternal destiny of salvation with the Lord in heaven. So discernment is a very, very important thing. And if we look at the rest of the scriptures today, the the, the scriptures today, we, we see, I think, we can at least, uh, learn something about this question of discernment. We have Elijah who's doing something pretty special and interesting. He's, Elijah lived about 300 years or so after Moses, after the prophet Moses and uh, he is in if you can understand, if you can get it in your mind an image geographically here you've got mount sinai which is in the sinai peninsula and then you have the promised land which is quite a bit north of it and uh, moses received the 10 commandments on sinai and then he led the children of israel up into the promised land so elijah right now in in his ministry is in the promised land uh, the people have fallen away from the law of moses they're worshipping idols he's in this big conflict with jezebel and ahab And the prophets of Baal and the priests of Baal, this false god. And it's a big deal. The vast majority of Israel has, has committed apostasy. They've fallen away. They have, they have departed from the Lord and from the true way. And they think that Baal's the right way to go. So there's a whole question of who's the, what's true, what's false. Okay. And uh, Elijah, he's in the minority and he's very frustrated that he can't seem to really make any headway. And we read a few days ago this huge showdown that he has with the prophets of Baal. And God does this amazing miracle. He causes fire to come down from heaven to consume the offering on the, on the altar that Elijah has made. And the prophets of Baal have no miracle to show for it. And it, it seems the people of Israel see this big flashy, um, miracle and they say, okay, we're going to serve God. But then not long after that, it seems like maybe Elijah's ministry and his efforts have failed because Jezebel seems to have the upper hand and wants to kill him. And so he's, he's kind of had enough of it. He's very frustrated with his, with his vocation and his calling. So he's going to take a little retreat. And so he goes down to the beginning. He goes back to the beginning. You know, he, I think he has this love for Moses because he's trying to recall the children of Israel back to the law of Moses. And so he's kind of in communion with Moses and he goes back to that place. He travels south to to Mount Sinai and he goes right to the very same mountain that Moses receive the law of God. And he goes into the very cave, very likely. I'm thinking, you know, this is my own interpretation, but I think it's the case. He goes right into the very same cave that Moses went into when God revealed himself to him. Very important passage in Exodus when God passes by and he says, I'm going to put my hand over the cleft of the rock and I'm going to pass by and then I'll remove my hand and you're not going to see my face, you'll see my back though. Okay, so that's this whole very special revelation that Moses has and he sees God. He doesn't see his Face, but he sees God nonetheless in some manner, in some fashion. Okay, we don't want to be too literal about interpreting that, but there's a there's this there's this question of a of a sight of God. And so Elijah comes into the cave and he wants to find God. And there's this huge all these phenomena take place. What do we got? Wind, wind so powerful it just crushes the rocks. Okay, but it says the Lord is not in the wind. And then you've got what an earthquake, you know, woo, big, very dramatic. How can you miss the earthquake, you know? But God's not in that either. And then the huge fire, God's not in that either. Okay, and all of those, those, those this phenomena—the wind and the earthquake and the fire—remind us of that original revelation that Moses received on Mount Sinai. Okay, so when G- when Moses went up the mountain to receive the tablets of the law, there was tons of wind, there was all this fire, there was earthquakes, and the and the mountain was shaking. Okay, and it, it scared the the crap out of the children of Israel. Okay? It really scared them. And I think what's the message here is 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 really the scriptures are saying that all of that special effects that God was doing was really not him. It was just you know, special effects that he was doing for the sake of the people. Because they weren't they didn't have enough faith to see past the flashiness and to really get to the heart of what he's all about. Okay? So we see this transition from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The Old Testament is there. It's kind of all about images and symbols and it's there to scare you. But hidden within it is is God. But God is hidden. And so Elijah is there and he, where's God? He's in the still, small voice. Okay? So faith. Faith comes from hearing, not, you know, neon signs, you know, and... Special effects and, uh, YouTube and all of the, you know, the visualness. It's, it's, faith comes from hearing, hearing the Word of God. It's a still small voice. You can miss it. Okay, so dis- it takes discernment. And if there's something that's flashy and seems to be obviously true, you know what? It could be true, but maybe it's not. You gotta wait and you gotta test. Because it says in the New Testament, St. Paul says that the devil shows up as an angel of light. The devil comes, look at me, how beautiful and appealing I am. <laughs> you know, this is what the devil does. And so you gotta, anything that looks really good, maybe too good to be true, you gotta kinda of wait for it a little bit. See, you know, wait and see. Don't fall right away. You need to reserve judgment, suspend judgment and wait. Because God comes in that hidden manner, that still small voice. A beautiful parable that our Lord tells in the Gospel is the parable of the mustard seed. Isn't that an amazing parable? The parable of the mustard seed. Mustard seed is the smallest seed of all the seeds. It's like invisible. You can hardly even see it. Okay? And yet, somehow it's powerful, and it does grow up into this big tree that provides shade and covering and everything for all the animals of the, of the, of the earth. Okay? So it does become big, And obvious, but it's not flashy. It's just a tree. (laughs) Okay, you can really miss it. All right. There's a paradox about how God communicates and how He is to be found and how we are to discern Him. He's invisible and yet He's obvious, but obvious not in a flashy way like earthquakes and winds and fire and YouTube and whatever. Instagram's the big one, right? The kids really like Instagram. You know, that's not that's not how God is found. God and his revelation, his word and the faith that he asks of us to have to be able to receive and to hear him is more like, well, more like our mother. She's just kind of always there. And you can really take her for granted. But she, she's really obvious. She's really that She's there. <laughs> but she's not flashy. And you can really take her for granted because she's always been there. She's like part of the scenery. But that's that's what faith is like. Okay. And, uh, this is, you know, we see this parallel in the church. Okay. The church is a city set on a hill. It is really obvious. It's spread all over the world. It's the only institution with a unified profession of faith. It's all over the world. It encompasses so many nations and languages and cultures. It's always been there. And yet we take it for granted. Okay. Modern people, modern Western people who are really children of the Catholic Church, they take it for granted. All right, It's like part of the scenery. It's kind of like your mom. But, but this is how God communicates to us. He's, he makes his word evident and clear, but only for those who are thoughtful and those who don't get caught up in the flashiness of superficial uh, displays of whatever it might be. You know, so this goes for everything in our life, whether it be a politician, or whether it be a priest, you know, or whether it be uh, a friend, or whether it be a romance. You know, how many romances begin with "Oh, this person is my Messiah. It's everything to me." And then six months later, or a year later, you're like, "Ah, oh, they're the devil incarnate." <laughs> you know. So this is, this is how, this is the path of true discernment is that still small voice and it requires faith. You know, here in our gospel text today too, one of the surest ways of being derailed from discernment is, is lust. So Jesus speaks about this in our, in our uh, gospel today. He talks, anyone, any man that looks at a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her. Because it says in the Beatitudes that it's the pure of heart that are able to, that will see God. Okay, so there's no clear, there's no more sure route of obscuring your your mental vision and your clarity of sight and your ability to discern than to give way to lust and to let your eyes feed upon something inappropriate. It's a very big problem today. You know, I'm joking about Instagram and all that kind of stuff, but you know, it's a real problem. Social media is a real problem because it's engineered an entire culture, an entire society that's completely visual based sensory oriented and full of sensuality so that they don't really think that they're living until they're seeing something beautiful and sexy you know they don't think that that's true life or of something that's of interest or of importance unless it comes with you know I, I, I follow YouTube for fitness stuff you know so I follow the fitness people but it's like they're all about the glossy biceps or the the tight butt or whatever it might be you know and it's a real it's a real um, perversion of the human heart that is meant to be still before the Lord and to discern Him through that still by listening for that still small voice. So, my brothers and sisters, we're meant to be people of faith, not to jump to conclusions, to appreciate our mother, the Church, <laughs> and our biological mother as well too. And so, let's pray. Let's pray for purity of heart for especially young people because they're raised with all the social media and online pornography and all of this horrible stuff. You know? They're just stewing in it from the time they're just children. And so let's pray for purity of heart, let's pray for chastity. Uh, and let's pray that we don't get led astray and that we have those those ears to hear that still small voice.